That'll get your heart pumping and your toe tapping. Hmm. I am getting in that kind of final stretch. In 13 short weeks, I'll step out of this, past, this pulpit as your senior pastor and step out there among you at some point uh, to just be another member of this fantastic church. In the meantime, I want you to know my heart has always been here with you, and that will not cease, and neither will our prayers. I hope our relationship, though it changes, will remain very strong. One day, when our new pastor comes and is settled in, Larry and I hope to make this our home until God calls us home. But that being said, I want to leave you with a theme. I want to leave you with a direction. I want to, to leave you with something that will carry you into the future. Not something that's based on me or my personality or my leadership, but something that is based on the Word of God. Something that is, is thoroughly biblical and, and can be hardwired into our DNA as a congregation. I, I want it to be the kind of direction that will be attractive to our new pastor as he comes and will help him get off together with us on a good standing. And, and I feel this pressing in harder and harder and harder on me to do that and share some things with you. Uh, last uh, weekend, uh, we had our Notla River Baptist Annual Association and Al Haywood, a member of our church, is our mission strategist. And as he shared some of his vision for our association, there were three words that he wanted to just underscore, that he wanted to leave us with. And it was the word intentionality. You know, nothing's going to happen unless we're intentional to make it happen. And unity, we've got to do this together. And urgency, this is something that needs to happen now and continue. So here's what the Lord's given me after a time of, of prayer and reflection and, and such. I want to share with you something that's based on two incredible passages of scriptures that you probably know by heart, the great commandment and the great commission. These two have been uh, paragons of direction and power for our church throughout its history. The great commandment is found in Matthew 22 beginning with verse 35. Let me remind you of this. It's going to be on the overhead, so you can read it along with me. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked the question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The motivation for the foundation that I want to share with you has to spring out of our love relationship with God. Nothing else will see us over the days that we have ahead. A life-giving, day-to-day, intimate, growing love affair with Jesus Christ. On top of that, let's look at that great commission. Also found in Matthew, this time chapter 28, beginning with verse 18. And the word says, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given me in heaven and in earth. Go and make disciples of all the nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our, our clarion call to share the gospel, to be in love with God, to be in love with those people he created, and to share the good news everywhere we go. After a lifetime of living in the Word, I want to sum these two passages together in six words, which really are three sentences. This is the foundation for our future. Love God, love people, and serve both. That's what God is calling us to be and to do. And this is the foundation that will move us into the future God has for us. This is the foundation that has been there for our church throughout the centuries. And this is what will take us with our new pastor into the new days and the new vision that is before us. Love God, love people, and serve both. And a key passage that kicks this off to me is found in the passage I read to you a few moments ago from Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. This is integral. This is, this is the jumping off place. This, you ask the question, what does this look like? How is it that we do this? Well, here's what it looks like. And Jesus said to them all, all, that's us. And Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, if your desire is to be a Christ follower, if your desire is to be a disciple, if your desire is to love him with all of your heart, if any man comes after me, then here, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily. And then let him follow me. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, this can only happen as you inhabit our hearts and lives. As we learn what it is to just live in you, to walk in your love, that your companionship is a moment-by-moment -moment precious experience, and that out of that growing love affair, then we get to serve others and serve you. Lord, I, I just pray, as I am in this position, as I pass the baton on to the next person, as we move into the next page and chapter of the life of this great congregation, may ringing in our ears be, love God, love people, and serve both. Show us how to do that, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe you've had an event happen in your life that has been somewhat life-altering. It's kind of uh, caught you and changed and redefined things for you. Maybe you've had several of those experiences. I've had several within my life. The most recent one happened come January the 10th, three years ago, when I had to have open-heart surgery. They had to take my heart out, lay it on the table, and, and, and do some correcting, put a new... Uh, valve in. 
shock it and jump start that sucker, make it start going again. I'm so glad it worked, okay? You saw me through that with your love and your prayers. But in my very painful and long recovery from that, God used that time to take me on a journey of my ministry, and especially my ministry here with you. And that period of time was marked with those same three words that Al mentioned. Fred, there's got to be an intentionality in your work. You've got to know where you need to lead this congregation and how to get there. And you've got to sell this vision to the other ministers on board. And you've got to sell this vision to our deacons and spiritual leaders and teachers that then our congregation can, can catch this vision. You've got to be intentional. And you've got to stay unified in this. You've got to stay together. This is a goal for all of my people. And I want everybody on board. And Fred, there's an urgency to this. There's a right now dimension. And as I came back miraculously with your prayers, I began after six weeks and full-time after eight weeks following that surgery. God had a whole different fire in this boy's life. And we began to kick off an intentionality about reaching people for the Lord, about sharing the gospel, and doing whatever it took, whatever schedule changes, whatever we had to adjust to reach more and more people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I made you a commitment, and to the best of my knowledge, I've kept that. I take that back. There's one time I remember I had to apologize for you. I made a commitment to you that I would never stand before you and preach, that I did not share the clear gospel of how somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And with that one exception that I got carried away and didn't do it, <laughs> I've kept that these years. And we have kept putting the gospel forward. And God was blessing this like crazy. And then COVID hit. And then we, we had to say, is, is this what God meant? And absolutely it was. And it gave us the motivation and impetus when we had to rewrite and rethink everything we were doing. How do we do preaching when people can't gather? How do we do Bible study when our classes can't meet? How do we continue to disciple people when we can't be one-on-one -on -one with one another? How do we continue to pray with one another? And it was this same press that saw us through that time and gave us the vision for all of the things that we're doing now we never did before. And the people that have been reached in the process. And now, as our COVID restrictions, please, Lord, is, we're seeing things getting better. We had the best week we've had this past week since before Delta uh, uh, strain came along. Now we're beginning to emerge again. And from one end of the campus to the other, God is doing some phenomenal things. We're seeing record number of children and teenagers coming to our campus and hearing about the gospel and being engaged. Our young adults being engaged in ministry. More Bible studies being formed where people are coming together and, and we're noticing something coming out of this pandemic. More and more people that we've, we've never been able to reach before are suddenly hungering and thirsting to hear about God, to make sense out of all the craziness that's going on in their lives. And God has positioned us to be ready to answer that. And to move immediately in those areas. 
because we had already been seeking him and finding this foundation. Here's the secret. Jesus spoke to everyone without exception. Today, if you have asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, this verse is for you. This passage is for you. And then he says, you want to follow me? I want you to follow me. I I don't want you sitting in a pew. I want you coming with me. I want you to be engaged. Henry Blackerby taught us something. He said, find out where God is at work and go join him there. So we're saying yes to God. How In these three simple but so profound thoughts Jesus gave us, it's a pattern of how he wants us to practically be a Christ follower. The first thing that he said, this passage says this, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself. This is, this is huge stuff right here. The word to deny here is a strong word in the, the ancient language, and it means to completely disown, to, to utterly separate oneself from something. What does it mean to deny ourselves? It it has to come, first of all, out of my love relationship with Jesus Christ. Something happens when you move from just knowing about Jesus to meeting Jesus. Something happens when you, when you move from beyond just listening to sermons and songs about Jesus. And you accept him into your life. And you fall in love with him. Suddenly, he becomes the central focus of your heart and your life. Everything you want to do is to please Him. You want to surrender your will to His will. You want to know more about Him. You want to know Him. And you want to share with Him more about you. And you begin to find out how He wants to permeate every aspect of your life. Not as some dictator trying to manipulate you as a puppet, but out of a love relationship that you are transformed into the man and woman of God that he's called you to be. But one of the things that's essential if you're going to be a Christ follower is you can't say, I'm going to have my own way. I'm not going to, uh, I can't do it my own way. You see, you become a Christ follower the same way you become a believer on his terms, not yours. You don't dictate to God how it is he saves you. He's already done that. By him going to the cross and dying for our sins and rising again for our eternal life, he has told us how we are going to be saved. We're going to have to confess our sins to him. We're going to have to repent, turn away from life, doing it our own way. We're going to have to surrender to him to be the boss, the king, the ruler, the master of our lives. And out of that, he cleanses us from all of our sins and gives us purpose and joy and peace and direction in life. If you haven't done that, I want to lead you how to do that at the end of this service. But if you have, he says, okay, now it's time to step up. It's time to step up and be my follower. And you start that by denying yourself. It means out of this relationship with the Lord, 
You say, God, I've spent way too many years having it my own way. I've spent way too many years saying, I know what I want and I'm going to get it. Out of that love relationship with Christ, you say, that's not what I want anymore. What I want is what you want for my life, God. What I want is for you to be my master and Lord. Yes, you use my personality, and yes, you use my abilities, and, and all of these things. And, and as I make my heart's desire you, you give me my heart's desire. But it begins with this. You see, you and I don't get to determine the ground rules for discipleship. We don't get to say, well, God, I tell you what, now I'm going to follow you by doing this, but I'm not going to do this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to surrender this part of my life to you, but I'm going to keep this to myself. Jesus knows nothing, and the Bible shares us nothing about that half-hearted commitment to him. As a matter of fact, to those, he one day will say, depart from me. For I never knew you. We never had that love relationship to where you sell out for me. Let me tell you, my life is what it has been. Because I heard somebody preach a story like this, preach a sermon like this, and I said, that's what I want. I, I've, I've got to have that. I've got to have that kind of relationship. But it began by saying... I'm no longer the Lord of my life. I'm no longer the one that makes all these decisions. I have surrendered and submitted my life to Jesus Christ. That's where being a follower begins. And listen to me. What would motivate for somebody to give up their rights, to give up their way of doing things, to surrender their, their will to God? Only love. It's all about loving Jesus. It's all about being in love with him. Because you see, when you're in love with him, what he calls us to do is not irksome. It doesn't turn our stomach. It might make us nervous, but it's always about walking in love with him. So our motivation has to be love. The second thing he tells us to do, if any man's going to come after me, if any man's going to be a Christ follower, let him first deny himself and then take up his cross daily. Take up his cross daily. I'm afraid in, in the time that you and I live, we, we have so symbolized the cross. We have so made it an, an object of beauty and, and, and an object of decoration and, 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 and jewelry to wear that we've lost some of its significance. In Jesus' audience, when he said, I'm calling you to take up your cross, you know what they envisioned as they just came into town? Those five or six men hanging, naked, beaten, some of them already dead and rotting, and others gasping for their breath. They remembered how <clears throat> in the time that Rome had ruled over Jerusalem. 30,000 people had been crucified around that city. 30,000 crosses 
When Jesus said to his audience, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a Christ follower, go ahead and pick up the cross. You're going to be on it. Go ahead and pick up the sacrifice. Go ahead and pick up that cross because that's where you're going to spend your last moments. It's interesting to know that of the apostles, when you throw Judas out and the remaining 11, 10 of those met violent deaths. The only one that did not was John the Beloved, and it was not because they didn't try. They sought on several uh, uh, times to execute him, and Holy Spirit just forbid it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor and living before and during the Nazi occupation, he understood what this meant. And he wrote in his own journal, when God calls us, he calls us to die. And indeed, that's what happened to him. He would not follow the Nazi agenda. He stood for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And indeed, it cost him his life. Today, today, before you leave here today, brothers and sisters in Christ will have forfeited their lives on this planet because they chose to deny themselves and out of their love for Jesus Christ to stand up for whatever was right. Honor them by not taking this lightly. To take up one's cross means to give your life to Jesus Christ. To say, God, I don't know where you're going to lead me. I don't know what it's going to cost, but I love you so much. After what all you've done for me and what you're doing for my family, it doesn't matter. The answer is yes. If you want to follow me, Jesus said, you're going to have to stop being Lord of your own life. You're going to have to deny yourself. And then you're going to have to take up your cross daily. Hourly, minute by minute, die to your way of doing things that I can live through you. And then, follow me. It's all about an attitude. You see, you and I are born with this attitude. This attitude that says, I want what I want. And I don't care what it takes to get it. I'll maneuver myself here or there. I'll cheat a little over here. I'll do this, that, or the other. I want what. What I want. The Bible tells us that attitude is called sin. Go. It's got to be. It's all about you. It's all about you, Lord. It's not what I want. It's what you want. Understanding that that's going to cost you. Now you're ready to be a Christ follower.
But let me tell you, what would, what would motivate a person, person to deny their rights to themselves? What would, would motivate a person to take up a cross, an instrument of torture and death? What would motivate a person to follow the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what it cost? Keeping rules? Following tradition? Living up to somebody else's expectation? Those are going to fall flat every time, folks. There's not enough energy in that. Only a love relationship with Jesus Christ would have you do that. Do you love him? I know you're thankful for him. I know you appreciate what he did on the cross and rising from the dead. And I, I, I know you have a, a great affinity for him. And you like him and you want to do what's right. But do you love him? Because only a love relationship with God will motivate you to do the hard things. And Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to do the hard things. I'm calling you to step out of your comfort zone. I'm calling you to let me control your life. I'm calling you to share the gospel and to share your story of how your life has been transformed. Those are not easy things. I'm asking you to get out of your comfort zone. And keeping the rules or satisfying the preacher or doing it because your spouse says so or whatever the case may be, that's not going to be motivation enough. Only falling in love with Jesus. Jesus asked Peter, point blank, to his face, eyeball to eyeball, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? I know you've done all these wonderful things, but Peter, do you love me? Right then, Jesus was letting Peter and everybody else know it's all about your love relationship with Jesus. And this is where the foundation for our future begins. We've got to be in love with Jesus. Nothing else will carry us over the days that's ahead. Nothing else can be a focus that will enable us to do the hard things. When you love him, you trust him. When you love him, you obey him. When you love him, you sacrifice. So if Jesus were standing in the pulpit here, he's not, it's me, but if he were standing in the pulpit here and look you eyeball to eyeball, us eyeball to eyeball, do you love me? Do you love me? How would we respond, and what would that look like? Let's pray. Father God, we want to confess today that we do love you. It's not a perfect love. It's a love that you're perfecting in us, though, every day. And so we want to be honest with you. We want to be honest with you. 
said, Lord, I, I love you, but you've got to teach me how to love you more. Because, God, there's all this competition in this world. There's, there's my job and my family and, and my wants and my desires. And, but I dare to believe if I put you first, if I love you first and foremost, then you'll put all those other things in line. There's some here today, Lord, that they want to love you. But they don't know how to begin. They don't understand the first steps. So, Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to help me remind them how you start a love affair with Jesus. You just recognize what he's done. That out of his great love for us, he came and lived a perfect life. And he died on the cross to take my sins upon himself so that I could go free and he would take the punishment. But then he rose again three days later to where he could give me his life, eternal life, abundant life. So Holy Spirit, how do I start this love relationship? I just simply say, God, I confess to you, I'm a rebel, I'm a sinner. I I've been trying to control my own life. But right now, with all my heart, with all my heart, I want to surrender to you. I want to ask you to fill me with your love that took you to the cross and lifted you up from the grave. Fill me with that love. I, I want to fall in love with you. I dare to believe you died for my sin. You rose so that I could have eternal life. So come into my heart. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take control of my life. I want to fall in love with you with every fiber of my being and follow you all the days of my life. If that's your heart's desire, God in his word says, you're my child. You've taken the first step. The second step is to let other people know. Maybe right here today, Lord, there's some people that have taken this first step and asked you to come into their heart. And right now they need to take the second step by letting others know. So in a moment, Lord, as we begin to sing, it's an invitation song. Will you encourage them to come and take Eric or Derek by the hand and just say, I prayed with the pastor. I've asked Jesus to come into my heart so we can rejoice with them. Receive them into your family. Let them know that the angels are rejoicing, and we want to rejoice too. So will you motivate us to do that, Lord? And then, Lord, those of us who are, are here, we, we, we know you. You're our Savior and our Lord, but you're knocking on our hearts to door and say, have you ever thought there was more? Have you ever thought there were more to following me than just showing up on church, singing a few songs, putting a little money in the plate? There is. It starts with denying yourself and taking up your cross and following me. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray and just say, Lord, I just want to surrender my life to you. I know I'm saved, but I want, to, I want to step out of the mediocrity of my life and step into the adventure of following you. 
Or maybe there's someone to unite with our fellowship today. Encourage them, Lord, to take, step out from the pew and come and take one of our guys by the hand and just say, I want to be a part of this great church. I want to be a part of what's going on here. Lord, this is your time. As Ed leads us to sing, be glorified in our answer to you. In Christ we pray. Amen.